What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Senna Vending. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about lean construction, how to streamline process and improve outcomes. I want to welcome John Sahara. He's the Vice President of Integrated Facility Solutions, and he has more than 20 years of product management experience. John is also a lean coach and also an active member of the Lean Construction Institute Chicago Community of Practice. And John and I, we know each other through uh, Clubhouse, the Clubhouse community, where we both share our knowledge about and expertise about lean. Um, and when I entered Clubhouse, I had no idea that there was something called lean construction. I know about lean manufacturing. I know about lean product development, but I have learned so much since about lean construction. So, John, I want to say welcome so much today, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Happy to be here. Good. So... Tell me about right because I can't be the only one who doesn't know what you know what lean construction what that is. So so can you so, give some kind of introduction? I mean the introduction really about lean construction is really about how do we do things, how do we build in this industry in a more efficient manner. So when you look at production curves or curves about productivity across all different market sectors, construction is at the very bottom. It's like a it's it's we're dead last in the United States when it comes to productivity. So our efficiency is terrible. We waste billions of dollars a year on just activities that don't need to occur. And when you think about manufacturing, manufacturing is top end and construction is at the bottom end. So there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to improve. And when we, when you start looking at like lean manufacturing, you'd mentioned that earlier, Yeah. you know, lean manufacturing and really the Toyota production system is where this is all born of. Toyota production system said, we want to look at a different way, a new way to build a car, a, a better way to build an automobile. And how do we do that with good leadership, with good accountability and with just an overall, like how do we, what model are we going to use in order to build this? And so it's, it's adaptable into all different kinds of industries and construction has taken that and is trying to make it just the way that we do things. It's, we're not trying to create a, what we can do lean on this project over here and we're not doing lean over here. We're gonna just do traditional construction. My ideals and a lot of lean, like kind of gurus or crazy fanatics, whatever you want to call us, yeah. we want it to just be the language that we use from now on is a language of collaboration and efficiency, just better ways to do things really is what it's a philosophy is what yeah. it really boils down to. Yeah. So when you, when you teach uh, and also just, you know, in, in where you are, do you call it lean construction or do you, now that you just said some of the, you know, efficient and you use other words? <laughs> Or is it depending on who you're actually speaking to or speaking with or who you're training that you actually pick the right words because then you know it will be a much better implementation? I mean, I like to use lean, the lean, the word lean construction because I think I, I use it for the reason just so that I'm setting a baseline and expectation of what we're going to talk about. The, the words I use, the language that I use, you know, for an example, I call our team members trade 
partners, not subcontractors. Yeah. Even though there is a contractual obligation that a subcontractor would have to a general contractor, I, I call them trade partners because they are our partners. And it's that those kind of language shift or mind shift that if I say that I'm speaking about lean construction, then people should know that that's the language that I'm start using, those things like that. Yeah. But you're right. The word lean is scary to a lot of people. They're like, well, we can't do that. I mean, we've been doing things this way for X period of time. Yeah. And so when I first walk into organizations and I work with them, I'm coaching with them. I look at what are we doing today? You know, the whole idea by a lean is to eliminate waste. That's a huge portion of what we're really talking about. And so what I do is I list out the things that have been established as really the eight wastes of construction or manufacturing. They're all basically the same, but we list those wastes out on a board. And then we start to talk about what are you doing today as an organization that is already eliminating waste in these categories. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is find what companies are lean without knowing that they are. Yeah. That's the secret is that you actually, a lot of this is really based fundamental knowledge that people have based in good business practices if you're using those, then you are a lean organization. You just may not know. And so what I like to do is try to highlight the great things you've already been doing yeah. because then it makes that learning curve or at least the acceptance curve a little bit easier Yeah. because then they don't have to feel like they're learning, blowing everything up and having to learn something brand new. Yeah. They're like, oh, we already do that. Okay. That's good. That that's a, we'll put that in a category of, you know, we've already doing that. That's exciting. You yeah. know, and then, and then sure. people want to start danger. talking about <laughs> there's no danger. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I shy away from the word change because everyone hates the yeah. word change. Yeah. So I try to shy away from saying, well, we're going to change this. I call it an evolution. This is that we're evolving as an industry and as human beings, if we start to function in a way that's more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had in my little notes here, I actually had transformation. I didn't say change, but transformation, but I think you, saying, yeah, but evolution is, is a much more, more positive word because the transformation <laughs> still have the change in it. Um, right. So, right. so we all, you know, so what, what kind of uh, resistance have you met and how do you, how do you tackle it? What's, what's some of your, if you, I don't know if you have an example you can share or, you know, what, what's your secret to, to embrace this resistance? So I think, you know, there is resistance. There's resistance from any new team that's going to try something new. We've had resistance from uh, mechanical engineers or just engineers in general that feel like when we're building a project under a lean process where we're doing a full collaboration, um, the different jobs get shifted around a little bit. So like the idea of drafting or drawing the exact drawing sometimes falls to a contractor versus the engineer. And I have like a famous picture in one of my presentations where the engineer is kind of sitting like this. Everyone's <laughs> looking at the board and he's got it. It is a perfect capture of this gentleman who didn't really accept the idea of doing, building this yeah. philosophy at first. And it took some kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations that I had with him to talk about where do you feel like you, you, everyone wants their voice to be heard. So this is about empowering people to be able to speak up and for us to do something about it as leaders. Yeah. So in this case, I said, Doug, what do you need? What, what's your fears? What's, what's the problem? You know? And it, it was basically, you're taking jobs away from our company by moving the drafting of the actual drawings to the, you know, to the contractor, because I don't want to draw it twice. 
Yeah. That was my shift as an owner. I was saying, don't draw it twice, draw it once. So, he, okay, fine. In that case, yes, maybe we are taking some of that drafting away. But I said, what I'm asking for in return is more of you as a principal, the smart school engineers. I need you on my job site more often than you already are. Yeah. So let the busy work of drafting and sending the drawings go to whoever it needs to go to. But I want more engineer, smart engineers on my projects more often. And so really his fee was pretty consistent between one job that was lean and one job that was non-lean, let's call it. Yeah. And I think that helped lower the barrier to say, I want you here more often because now I can afford to pay you to be here more often because you're smart and you come up with a lot of great ideas. Yeah. That's a big one. It's really a whole, giving people a voice to speak their concerns or their wishes or their ideas and actually then doing something about it when they speak up. Don't put it in the suggestion box, put it over there in the corner and never look at it again. That's not helpful. No. So we got to, we got to give people a voice and let them be heard. So they, and I, and I talk about a lot, the, the, there's six tenants of lean and the one right in the middle of the, the, the graphic that LCI has created is, is respect for people. And so this all fundamentally comes back to respecting the people that you work with, as, you, as they walk in the door, they have their own story, their own ideas, their own history, and they're really talented at what they do. You should, you should be respectful of that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so bringing in, if it's more often to come in, you know, or, or be, I don't know if it's team meetings, but be together, right, and, and collaborate. What about communication? Can, can you over-communicate? Um, or how, because the lean construction or the, the mindset um, I'm, I'm sure there's new things you, you, you will need to learn um, because it's, 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 a new, it's a new way of thinking. Um, well, so how do you, how do you communicate yeah. and how do you, how do you set it in the right um, area of it? So, the, so communication is, 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 is key to this whole thing. But there's so many yeah. handoffs that occur and everything else. So we're, we're teaching people how to, we teach people how to communicate with each other. Yeah. So in this case, you know, in, in, a, in a case of um, even us doing this today, there is the idea of, you know, you, I'm, there's, who's the customer in this transaction? So you have a certain level and expectation. The people listening to this have a certain level and expectation as the customer of what they are expecting to hear from a podcast like this. Yeah. And so we have to deliver on that. But if we're, if the expectation is unclear, then we can't, we're never going to deliver what they want. No. We're only going to deliver what we think they want. And that's not good enough. So I have to be able to communicate as the customer. I have to be able to communicate to my team. This is what I am expecting from you. Yeah. Then I should get a better deliverable than if I don't do that. And I, and they just have to make assumptions. So we find a lot of times when we have failures on our projects or anywhere, it's because I, as the owner, or anyone downstream, has not communicated to the people that are going before them what they are, what they need in order to do their job. Yeah. And then we get frustrated that when we get a handoff of, of a document or something, and it's like, well, this stinks. I don't like this at all. This is not what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, but did you act? Did you actually tell anyone what yeah. they were supposed to provide? And if the answer is no, then it was yeah. your failure, not theirs. Yeah. But then they have to be able to ask the right questions. So this is this intersection of being able to communicate and deliver on expectations. Yeah. 
that's that's a huge that's element. So can you over communicate? Probably not, because even if you, even if I said to you, here's what I expect, yeah. you're still going to put your spin on it. You're going to put your touch on it yeah. when you deliver it to me. And so we, it's it's a constant ebb and flow of you delivering what you what you already had set in your mind of what you were going to deliver, and me wanting to it to look the certain way that I would do if I was creating it. And where it can they line up or do they line up? That's that's really a, a you know it's a key to the whole thing. Yeah. So with the with these many handovers, have you then changed the, the tool or you know, is it a paper? Is it you know virtual? You know, have you changed the way how you have these handovers? Now well, we've actually allowed we allow people. So in a in a fully collaborative project. There's not a top-down conversation that happens where if the engineer contractually wants to talk to the trade partner, the mechanical engineer wants to talk to the mechanical contractor, it's funneling through the general contractor. And so we allow in a, so now we have like, it's like playing the telephone game that we used to. So I give you a message, then you have to take the message, then you listen to it, then you have to tell somebody else the message. That's not helpful because now we're just wasting time. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're allowing those two entities to communicate, but keep it, keep us in the loop on what you're talking about. Yeah. But I don't have to be part of every conversation as the owner's representative. The general contractor doesn't have to be part of every conversation, but they should be copied on that conversation. So we're not using a lot of different tools or techniques to communicate. It's still email. It's still things yeah. like that. But if we can do it in a collaborative room, And then maybe document it later. Sometimes you don't even need to document. Sometimes you just go forth and do what you talked about yeah. without documenting it, especially if it's minuscule kind of stuff. You document the important things. You don't need to document everything that was ever said on a pro in a project meeting. That's wasteful. Yeah. No. Okay. What, what about, can you bring some example of, you know, of waste? So in lean construction, what that looks like? So, all right. So, My, the eight wastes uh, are, are you, we use an acronym called downtime, which is perfect because it's that downtime is waste. And the D stands for defects. So it's really, you know, punch list items, allowing ourselves to have defects on our projects and finding time later to fix them rather than fixing them as we're going through the process. And then on downtime, the O is overproduction. So producing something at a higher level than what the owner required. So again, we're not listening to the expectation the owner's asking for, and we're producing something at a higher level than what they yeah. want. <clears throat> the W is waiting. Very obvious. We wait for everything. We wait for answers, change orders, material deliveries nowadays. We wait for everything. So waiting yeah. is massive. Right. And then N in the downtime acronym is non-utilized talent. And it's That may be one of the most important and often overlooked things is non-utilized talent. So when we talk about, in this case, a mechanical engineer and a, and a contractor talking to each other, I'm utilizing the talent of those two individuals or two organizations to really solve problems. Instead of solving problem in a vacuum or a silo, now I'm doing it with collaboration. And so I'm putting the accountability where it belongs instead of always making one person at the top solve all the problems for the team. And then you got T is transportation. That's really the movement of materials on our job sites. Um, and then the I is inventory. Yeah. 
So having too much material on the site, stock material on a site, or in the case of inventory, it could be the built inventory. Like in our project, we may build 30 offices and they're all the same. But what happens is we get too far out ahead of the project and we build, you know, 30 offices, but then we realize we need to make a change. Yeah. And we never mocked up that first office. Now I have a problem and I got to go change 30 rooms. Yeah. And then the M is motion, movement of people around our job sites is, is another massive amount of waste that we have. And then the E is extra processing. And that's really how many hands touch some document or something throughout your given day. So in the case of, I was working with a general contractor not long ago, and they said that a set of meeting minutes has went through three people's look at it before it got sent out to the team after a meeting that i mean i don't understand why you would need three different people within the same organization to review a set of meeting minutes before it goes out as a record document of what occurred at a meeting that's just like yeah entirely wasteful incredibly wasteful so that's downtime as it's in its simplest form and you could i could talk about this for hours on end because it's such a basic yeah. fundamental thing that exists that we you know, see every day. Okay. So with, with the eight waste here, if you are a new company that's saying, okay, I want to start this journey, right? And and you've been in this journey for many, many years. So for you, it's obvious. Um, mm -hmm. What will you advise or recommendation be? Where, where should you start? And of course, they shouldn't so, do it, right? But but what else? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, bring, yeah, hire me and I'll coach them. Um, I mean, I think you've got to start with understanding that this is, this is a long-term philosophy. This is, you are investing in this philosophy and it's not a get rich quick scheme. You're not gonna do this on one project and then leave it alone. You have to believe that the way that you're gonna fundamentally do things will benefit you in the long run. And so you have to understand this is not, this, is, this can be overwhelming. This journey that you're on is overwhelming when you first start. So start with the fact that this is a philosophy and it's gonna take a while, right? And then you're going to start to look at how do we do, what is my current condition or what is my process for things? Because you need to have a process built in order to be able to improve that process. So you have to understand like, what is your way of doing things, whatever it might be. Then you start to build and train your people around that process. And then you can get to the last level, which is problem solving. So what I just explained was like the 4P model for the Toyota way. So they believed in a philosophy and then they created a process around that philosophy. Then they trained their people on how to do that process or improve that process. And then problem solving is the last one. Yeah. So we can't jump to a conclusion and just say, well, if we did this instead of that, we'd be better off because you don't know. You have to be able to measure it. You have to be able to do it. So I would say, you know, there's a lot of resources out there that you can go to that you can start learning. How did we start our journey? We read the book, The Toyota Way. Yeah. By Jeffrey Liker. It's a great book that, yeah, it talks about how Toyota does it, but you can apply it to many different industries. You know, the leanconstruction.org has books, uh, one's called Transforming Design and Construction. So there's your word transforming. Again. <laughs> right. Yeah. But this book has like three page long chapters that talk about all these different, the different nuances of construction and the things that we're doing, but puts, some new words and some new language around it so that we yeah. understand it in a 
in our you know, to create this lean language, basically. Yeah. So those are some good resources to go to. Oh, to, to start with that. So to kind of start the journey, yeah. Yeah, and start the journey. So your journey has, yeah. has been, you know, long, many, many years. So when many you look years. back, it, it has been an evolution on the lean um, journey. Um, or is it more the awareness and and the the um, philosophy that more people are, are leaning into it? It's um, I think there. I mean, I do think there are a lot like I really think that um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, COVID has done a lot of weird things to our world. Yeah. One of which it has caused us to learn how to be better communicators because we're not sitting in the same room with each other. Yeah. And to and learn how to respect people in a lot, lot of different ways. I mean, look at what's happened in society and culture just in general. There's a lot more conversation around the idea of respecting people and people's choices than there ever was before. So if you if you're involved in the construction industry, the ideas and fundamentals of lean are, you know, that's what's going on in the world. It makes sense. So I think there are more people that are interested in it and want to learn more about it because of what's happened in the last call it year and a half, two years, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. Like we're People, but the same. So, so think about this: like Toyota in an economic downturn a number of years ago, when it was like 08, 09, when we had the economic crash. Yeah, they had overproduced cars to the point where they had to shut down production. So they they went against one of their philosophies, was building in too much inventory, and they did. So they and overproduction. So they actually built things and had too much inventory sit on the lots. So they had months of time where they had to shut down their plants. But what they did in return was they kept all their people there and they did training. And so they they invested in their people and training. So during this downtime that we've had over the last year where people were slower, did we invest in training? And I feel like maybe fundamentally people didn't do that. And now we're trying to recover from that. You know, there's conferences are starting again. This yeah. whole idea behind Clubhouse, the platform we're on. There's a lot of people out there looking for really good information. It's a good source to go to. But um, <clears throat> did we did we invest in that training when we had the opportunity to? And I think we missed. I think we missed the chance there to do that. Yeah. Hopefully now we're getting back to people are hungry. They want to learn. They want to get back in person, and that'll be a good thing for the industry. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we're all hungry in the in person again. Um, yes, but maybe absolutely. not, not maybe not full speed yet, yet. But we'll we'll get there. Not, not, well, a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone's trying to push forward, and we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to hear about a little bit. We know, but lessons learned, right? Because if you run mm -hmm. and you implement, or you have the transformations, um, there's always the the lessons learned, or you could say oh, we could have approved this the next time, or you could do the deltas um, mm -hmm. and plot. You know what what's going on. So what what's your good experience there? on how often do you do it? Do you wait till the project is complete or do you actually have some where you go in and saying every month, let's just revisit and see what's, what's happening? So we do, so there's a couple of things. That you, if you really want to get started in a lean world, I tell people the easiest thing to do at the end of a meeting is what we call plus delta. And so this is a way to, you know, lean is all about continuous improvement. How can we continue to, improve ourselves better, be better today than we were yesterday. And so the idea behind a plus delta is 
what what did we like about today's meeting or session or whatever it was? And, and the deltas are what would we adjust or modify for next time? What things do we want to change or that we didn't find valuable that we want to try to change? And so it's an easy way to get started. And, and if you look at it, it's kind of a lesson learned immediately from that meeting that you just had. Yeah. And what's powerful about it is if you, and people just shout these things out and you write them down on the whiteboard. And then what happens is the leader of that meeting or the facilitator of that meeting needs to look at those deltas and make those adjustments for the next meeting. Because yeah. if you do, that's powerful because then people's voices start to get heard. Yeah. So we just did a, I mean, it, that's a quick, very quick on the fly way to do a lesson learned for a particular hour long meeting or session or whatever you have. <laughs> and it gives you instant feedback to what you, what do people like and find valuable and what do they not like and what do you need to adjust for next time? Yeah. When you look at an overall project, we probably don't do it enough or often enough where we look at lessons learned. We write them down and we say, let's not do that next time. Right. We're, we're renovating patient floors at a hospital I'm working at right now. We just finished one and we have two or three more to go. You know, all the things that I was writing down is like, we better not do that again on the next job or we better think about that. Yeah. Did we actually, are we actually implementing that on the next set of drawings to go forward with the next job? Yeah. And we just had a session to talk about it with the contractor and the design team and everybody really kind of airing the dirty laundry and what yeah. we have to establish as the owner or the leader of the project is saying, we're in a trusted environment where you can say anything you want and it will be listened to. Yeah. So that's a culture that I have to create to allow people to speak up and say, this really sucked. Like, yeah. how do we change this for next time? If I have the power and ability to change it, I better do that to make it better for everybody you know, or somebody else on the project team should be empowered to do that. The engineering team, the architecture team should draw something differently, specify a different product that we can get sooner. Whatever it might be that we find are the hurdles that we're trying to overcome, we all have to be empowered to speak up and then actually do something about it. Yeah. So that's the culture that I have to try to create as the leader of the entire project team is that exact thing. Yeah. Because people say something, they're like, oh, that's a great idea put in the brown full, you know, file on next to my desk and then no one ever looks at it again. Yeah. That's not helpful. That's garbage. You know, that's yeah. a waste. That's not utilizing the talent that we have. There you go. There's a non-utilized talent yeah. waste that we just identified. So. Mm. Um, okay. So what will you, you know, with lean construction, what will you have told yourself like 20 years ago? If you're looking back now and do your own reflection. Um, <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think one of them is I would have early on in my career, I didn't realize how important it was to walk on the job site and really identify and notice what was going on. And in our lean world, we call that a gamble walk, which is like going to the work. You got to go to the work, but looking at it in a specific way and asking questions, people like that's one avenue where, you know, we don't, we didn't really emphasize that a lot as young project engineers when we were first starting out. And so, you know, getting out there in the field, understanding the, those last planners, the frontline workers that are doing our work for us, really understanding what they're, the job that they're doing and why it's important is, and how they hand off from one trade to another is something I would have probably want, really wanted to emphasize more to myself. And I think that whole idea behind respect for people is something that I've always had, but sometimes you forget about it. Sometimes you, it goes by the wayside. And so that's a, 
that's another fundamental thing. I think the eight wastes would have been a great thing to be able to have 20 years ago on my board identifying. Yep. Maybe we would have been further along in our journey than we are right now. So, you know, yep. just a couple of things like that, that really, if you look back, like you had so much energy to be able to do all that stuff <laughs> and we just didn't use it the right way. Maybe, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah. that's also part of the journey, right? Because you could have so gone, we gone in another direction. Now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now we have young people that are working for us. And our hope is that we're creating this concept now. We're bringing it to, I speak at uh, colleges a lot where I'm talking to students yeah. who are now going to be coming into this industry. And what I want and what I'm, my hope and dream is that they just, they're using this language and this idea right from the beginning. And they're not, They're not, um, it's not anything that's like they have to invent as brand new or that we're going to do it a different way. This is just how they think and how they do things. So that would be fantastic if they just take that and run with it as a young people. No, yeah. And, and it's, it's all the journey of how you can, you can give, you know, your, your advice, but also your experience, right? That will take them there <laughs> to the next learn level. But it's also, they also need to learn it themselves. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They have to learn it by doing it, right? And by getting out there yeah. and seeing yeah. how it works. Yeah. Get burned a little bit sometimes, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You're Make some mistakes. <laughs> I always say that it's better, you know, making a decision is better than indecision. Yeah. So make a decision, right? And unless it's like something really massive, but pick, picking up the phone and calling somebody that has experience in an in, in, in your organization is important. But I want our young people, if they're going to make a decision, you know, again, not unlike something that's massive and millions of dollars and could be catastrophic, but making decisions is better than making no decision at all. Yeah. And so letting it sit there and not answering an email forever and just letting it sit by the wayside and not doing anything about it is not going to help be helpful to anybody. It's just going to be worse. Yeah. It's like putting that, like when you're a little kid and you don't want to tell your parents you did something. Yeah. It would actually just be better to come right out and say it than it would yeah. be to hide it and then find out later. And then it's like, whoa, now we got a real problem on our hands, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today. Um, yeah. It's great. And, you know, I think it's great, again, to get more visibility on the lean construction because I'm sure I have some in my network that didn't know about it. So, so thank Absolutely. you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's great. If you enjoyed this podcast, maybe you'd like to hear more, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure also to check out our website, mindtheinnovation.com. And remember, stay curious, keep learning.